Hello and welcome everybody to episode three of the Friar Town Pod. My name is Nate Carrero. Alongside here is my partner Matt Shaker and our Friars. They only had one game this week, Matt, but it was a big one. Sure was. You know, I mean, beating Villanova, whether you beat them at home or away, that's going to be just a big, big win. And especially, too, you know, PC, they had a couple of bad losses at the beginning of the year, and they weren't really looking like an NCAA team. But since Big East play, they really picked it up. And now with wins over Seton Hall and Villanova, with two games left to play, and then going into the Big East tournament, coming off of now Villanova being their fourth straight win, you can't help but think that they are an NCAA team. Yeah, and the Friars, um, just to put this little run that they're on into perspective, they're the fifth team ever to win five ranked games in a single calendar month. And 1973 was the last time that PC had won five straight games against ranked teams. So what they're doing right now is not just historical in the context of Providence College, but college basketball itself. Providence, they had a lot of turnovers in the first half. They ended the half on a 16-3 run. They were up 30-18 to over Villanova. 18 points, by the way is Nova's lowest scoring half of the season. Their previous was 22. but So they were up 12 at the half, but with all the turnovers that they had, I mean, it could have easily been a 20-point game at halftime. And out of those 30 points, 22 of those came from the hands of Lawan Pipkins and Malik White. Yeah, you know, I mean, Lawan's just been incredible. A lot of fans got on his back early on in the season. And really up to a week or two ago, they were really critical of him. And, you know, I mean, he had his struggle shooting the ball. You know, you, when, you, when you get a guy in that was averaging a transfer in, a senior guy, you expect him to be a leader right away. You know, you really don't give him a chance to adapt to the system, to playing with a new, completely new group of guys under a completely new coaching staff, completely new fan base. Sometimes it just takes a guy a little while to get adjusted. And then you also factor in, you know, he was averaging 21 points a game as a sophomore. Last year, he averaged, I believe it was around 16 a game. And on good efficiency both years, very solid. And this year, he was just not shooting the ball well, wasn't scoring the ball well. And one thing that you really got to keep in mind, though, is that he was hurt last year. And truthfully, until recently, I don't think he ever was fully recovered. Yeah, I mean, Pipkins has definitely had to adopt a different role coming you know, to Providence. Um, He started the first 18 games of the year, then he sat a handful of games, and then Cooley put him back in that lineup. But I think he's had, like, a lot different role since he's re-entered the starting lineup. He's more the off-ball guard now, like more the two guy, more the guy that's getting the screens, getting, you know, the open looks, kind of like what you you hope A.J. Reeves can, you know, transform into. Exactly. Right, and... You know, at the beginning of the year, they played him on the ball a lot. Now they're playing him more off the ball with two playing more point guard duties. And I think Pipkins has really benefited from that. Yeah, Pipkins has a game-high 27 points and a Providence 58-54 to win over Villanova in Philadelphia. It was Providence's first win in Philadelphia since 2016, and Providence had only won one game of the previous 11 matchups versus Villanova so that just 
puts into context like how big this win is for Providence. It also gives them an opportunity to potentially finish third or higher in the conference with their win over Villanova. They're only one game back now in the Big East. Right. So PC could finish anywhere between second and fourth. Realistically, right now, that's what's going to happen. You know, for them to finish second is going to be extremely difficult. And not because PC would have to win the games as much as, is, as much as it is that Villanova and Creighton would both have to lose games. And when they're going and facing teams like Seton Hall and Creighton playing Villanova Villanova playing Creighton, that's one thing. Those are losable games for Villanova and Seton Hall, uh, for Villanova and Creighton. But they shouldn't be losing to Georgetown, who they both have to face going forward. Yeah, well, as long as Villanova... So PC has to win their final two home games on Wednesday, home at Xavier, Saturday, senior day against DePaul. Two games that, you know, you would hope the Friars <laughs> would win those games, especially on the role that they're on now. So if they sweep the week and Villanova loses Wednesday, I believe, against Seton Hall, PC is going to be at least the third seed. And like you said, Creighton would have to lose to Seton Hall and Georgetown, they would have to get swept this week. Both those games at home, probably not going to happen. The second seed is probably not as realistic, but the third seed's you know, right, there, right there with a little bit of help. 100%. You know, PC, you know, you explained to me earlier, the tiebreaker. And what is it? If they beat Villanova? Yeah, it was because Providence had beaten Seton Hall. Villanova would have been swept by Seton Hall in the year. Okay. So if they ended up a uh, tiebreaker with them. Right, so the way things stand right now, you have Seton Hall first in the conference, Creighton second, Villanova third, Providence fourth, Butler fifth. But in conference, if you look at it this way, Butler's 8-8. Eight eight. PC would have to lose both their games, and Butler would have to win both their remaining games in order to tie them. That's most likely not going to happen. You True. also look at it this way. Creighton is playing against Georgetown, who they'll probably beat because since they're playing at home, and Georgetown's probably not going to have Mac McClung, their best player, or their best big guy in your seven. So that should be a win. But then they go and they play against Seton Hall. Now that game could go either way. You know, because since they are playing at Creighton. It should be interesting there. Um, once again, though, I'm not really sure that they'll beat Seton Hall, although I am pretty confident that they'll beat Georgetown, which would, you know, assuming that that's what happens. They'd be at a 12-6 and six record. Villanova, going forward to finish out the regular season, you know, they're playing against Seton Hall at Seton Hall. They'll probably not win that game. And then they're playing against Georgetown at Georgetown. Which it's at Georgetown. Not going to be easy, but they should still be able to beat Georgetown. So with that said, they split their remaining two games as well. They're 12-6. and six. PC, look who they're playing the last two games. Xavier and DePaul. Definitely the easiest schedule out of that bunch. Right, without a doubt. And both games at home, too. So, you know, you've you got to figure PC is probably going to be most likely going to win both those games, which would have them seated at 12-6, and six too. And like you just explained about, um, you know, the tiebreaker, that would, right there, PC, Creighton would finish above PC, but Villanova would finish below PC. And the difference between PC being the four seed where they're at now and the three seed is massive because that means in the second round of the Big East tournament, now I don't want to get way too ahead of ourselves here, but if they made the second round, 
they would most likely be playing Creighton if they had the three seed. If they were the four seed, they would most likely be playing Seton Hall in the second round. And I can tell you one thing, I would much rather play the Blue Jays than the Pirates. Oh, 100%. You know, Seton Hall is really the only team coming in, you know, as of right now anyways, that I'm feeling a little uneasy about playing. You know, I'm feeling pretty confident about Creighton. You know, I think they can beat Creighton. They should have beat them twice. Right. They should have beaten them twice, and they beat them once. And as far as Villanova goes, you know, they split with Villanova. Both, were, both games were decided by four points. PC can beat Villanova. Matchup-wise, I think that PC might have the upper hand, given the fact that I think Watson at 6'10", 250, will just manhandle Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Yeah. Who's really a forward trying to play center. Yeah, I mean, Watson, he did foul out on Saturday, but in their previous matchup, he did have 18 points. He was the team, he, was the, he had the game high, actually, in that 64-60 to 60 loss back in January at the dunk. Um, not, not as much of a factor this past Saturday in Philadelphia, but as we stated before, it was the Luan Pipkins and Malik White show They combine, Pipkins has 27 points, Malik White ends up with 15. They have 42 of Providence's 58 points. I mean... It's incredible. It's incredible is right. And once again, like I've talked about our first two episodes of the podcast, is that it all gets back to senior play. You know, you had Diallo having the big game, 34 points. You had, you know, you've had Pipkins consistently getting better over the past four games, scoring all starting between 13 and 27 points, including the last two of games of the last four, both being 20-point games. So, I mean, you have these seniors that are they're performing at a high level, and that's how you win games. You know, you really can't expect to get that out of A.J. Reeves, a sophomore, that consistency anyway, or David Duke, a sophomore. Maybe next year they take that step, and certainly I hope so their senior year, but you've got to get that consistency out of that consistent, solid play out of your seniors. Khalif Young. You know, Khalif's just been tremendous in his role. You know, he, he played 26 minutes against Villanova. He had 6.7 rebounds. He was 3 for 5 from the field. His role on the team is not to score the ball. It's to rebound, play defense, make the smart play. And he's been passing the ball. He's been protecting the rim. He's been rebounding the ball. And then when he's open, he's scoring the ball. You know, you really can't ask for much more from from Khalif Young than that. No, definitely. I mean, they're... I think moving Malik to the bench, you can see the chemistry between him and uh, Khalif. They, I mean, they've been playing together for four years now. I mean, that second unit, and the only other two guys to get minutes off the bench were Greg Gant and Emmett Holt, only six minutes apiece. So it was basically a seven-man rotation um, A.J. Reeves, most of his 15 minutes came in the first half. Like I said, Watson fouled out, so he only logged 18. But that, those two guys coming off the bench, and when, you know, Gant can do what he did against Seton Hall and make an impact like that on the boards, I mean, they, they're, they're seven, eight guys deep that are going to, you know, be a threat to put double digits on you any night. Exactly. And, you know, you just mentioned A.J. Reeves. He only played 15 minutes. But he didn't score in those 15 minutes. And A.J. Reeves is one of your better scorers. That just goes to show how much slack that Pipkins and White picked up. And like I mentioned last episode, that's what this team is built on. They don't really have that 
guy that's necessarily going to be an NBA superstar. They don't have a guy like, or even a guy that is a super superstar at the college level like Jimmy Fredette was, BYU, going back almost a decade ago. That's going to put up 30-plus points a game, potentially. But what they do have is they have a collection of guys that can just pick up each other's slack every night, potentially. And that's how they're going to win games. That's how this team is built. Cooley knows that. I'm sure the guys themselves know that. And that's why, you know, that's what's been happening recently. And that's why PC's been winning games. Yeah, this game, so as we stated before, Providence was up 12 at the half. And Villanova fights all the way back with about five, four minutes left in the game or so. And they bring it as close as two. And that's right around the time that Sadiq Bey, which was arguably Villanova's best player on Saturday, he ends up fouling out. And Luan Pipkins just absolutely ends up taking over. Him and Malik White, I think they finished like eight for eight at the free throw line to end the game in the final two minutes. Them two combined went 15 for 18 at the free throw line, 19 for 25 as a team, 76%. And we've said this on the last podcast. I mean, it seems that every time when you check these box scores, if they're shooting 70, 75% from the free throw line, it's most likely been dubs for them. Right. And something, too, is something I've been noticing, not just with PC, but around the Big East and college basketball itself. When you hold a team to shooting a minuscule percentage from three, you tend to win. And PC held Villanova to shooting 167 percent from three and they took 33s they were five for 30 for yeah three. there was a lot of volume there yeah over half their field goals were th- three pointers they only shot 57 shots right so samuels uh yeah jermaine samuels he was over three justin moore justin moore eight. was one for eight sadiq bay who is an nba prospect legitimate nba prospect Great three-point shooter. One for seven. Cole Swider, one of the better three-point shooters, you would think, on that team? Yeah. I mean, for five. Swider came to Villanova to be a shooter. Exactly. Over five for three. Gillespie was one for three. Granted, he was hurt, but still. You know, this team can shoot the three, and they were held to five of 30. Yeah. I mean, Villanova shot 15 for 27 inside the three-point arc, so you figured they would have maybe went to that a little bit more, tried to get to the free throw line a little bit more. This was only the sixth game all year for Villanova that they were outshot at the free throw line. Um, And they've actually lost every single game that they've been outshot at the free throw line, Villanova. So it doesn't happen very often, but PC did win that battle at the charity stripe on Saturday. So a big win for Providence, pushes them to 10-6 and in the conference. Two home games left if they sweep the home series this week, 12 conference wins would set a school record. I mean, how about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just incredible to think about. You know, I've been watching the Friars for a long time. and You know, my father has been watching them since before the Big East, who's even a thing. And we've seen some great players come through over the years and some great teams and great coaches. And none of them have been able to accomplish what this group of guys and this coaching staff has been able to do or potentially going to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that they have the chance to go 12-6. and six. I mean, they started out nice. They were 3-0, and oh, and then they ended up 4-4, four and four, and then after the loss to St. John's, they're 6-6. Six and, six, and It's getting know, scary, frankly. You, yeah, you couldn't even fathom the thought of them potentially winning six games in a row, but 
I mean, at this point, they're already through the meat of that last six games. They played all the ranked teams, and now they got two more home games, like we said, against Xavier on Wednesday and DePaul on Saturday. So let's start with the Xavier game here back at the beginning of the month. So Providence went, I believe it was... Six six and two or seven and two or five and two or something in the month of February. The first of those two losses came at the Cintas Center at Xavier. Yeah, you know, Nate Watson had a great game. He had sixteen points and seven rebounds before falling out. And he had those sixteen points and seven rebounds in twenty four minutes. Which is really not a lot of a lot not many minutes. So, you know, he it was really his show. Um you know, Malik Way had seven assists in that game. Alpha Diallo, 14.6 rebounds. David Duke had 12 points. But here's, you know, those were all quality statistics, but here's where PC struggled. Shooting the ball and the production that they specifically got from Pipkins, who we've noted has really turned it on of late and carried them. Pipkins was, played 20 minutes off the bench. He was 2 for 10 from the field, 2 for 9 from 3. 6 points. PC lost by... Six points. Yeah, I mean, that was the game at the end where Pipkins was just just hurling up three-pointers, like, within the last two minutes. Um, none of them fell for him, obviously. PC only shot four for 23 from three. Only Alpha. had nine free-throw attempts in that whole game. Right, but, I mean, Alpha was 0 for 5 from three. Malik was 0 for 4. Reeves only took – Reeves, A.J. Reeves, one of your best shooters, only took one three. Only took three shots when your best scores all game long, 24 minutes. And we were just looking at the box score from Saturday against Villanova. He only shot one three-pointer. I mean, you got to get that guy more looks from beyond the arc. You know, run him off screens. You got to do something. You got to get this guy the ball. Especially, you got to get him the confidence because you know he's capable. Look what he did last year at being the season before. I mean, he, he just took, took over games like that BC game. Like he, right. The confidence was totally there. And right. it kind of looks like it's a little bit different of a player right now. Right. And, you know, Pipkins has all the confidence in the world, and I love that. And I, I think that – I think – well, I hope and think that it'll rub off on AJ. And, you know, I think that you got to have two guys, if at least two guys that are real-time weapons if you're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need – listen – it can't be the Pipkins and White show every game. I mean, that's – now, they did play a lot better game last Saturday against Marquette. But, I mean, in that first half, it was Pipkins and White, Pipkins and White. And Reeves hit a few three-pointers as well in that first half, but he kind of disappeared in the second half. But they were leaning a lot on Pipkins. And when Pipkins was in the game, it was a lot White. Right. And, and you know, you gotta you got to find a balance in terms of – when something's not working, you got to go to something else. And they were four for 23 from three that game. And Xavier didn't exactly shoot the ball that great either. You know, they were five for 19, which is better, but it's not tremendously better. But one killer for Xavier was Jones inside. And, you know, Terry Jones is just an incredible inside player. Thank God next year, you know, PC won't have to deal with him again. He's a senior. But... You know, he's six foot nine, he's two hundred and thirty-nine pounds. That's a big guy. And he's skilled too inside. You know, he had fourteen points and eighteen rebounds in thirty-two minutes. And the, you know, Xavier is just a big team. 
like I said, they start Jones at 6'9". They start Jason Carter at 6'8". They Najee. start Zach Fremantle at 6'9". Najee Marshall six 6'7". And then they really only start Paul Scroggs at guard. He's 6'4". So your smallest guy is 6'4". You start two guys, that are, uh, two guys that are 6'9", a guy that's 6'7", and a guy that's 6'8". Yes, and Scruggs isn't even really your, like, traditional point guard, I feel like. So I feel like that's where PC can take advantage against Xavier. And even with Jones' 18 rebounds in that game, Xavier only out-rebounded PC by one. So when when you look at the box score from that first game, they go 4 for 23 from 3. They went 20 for 24 from inside the three-point. 20 for 24. Like... That, or sorry, twenty for thirty-four inside the three-point, and only, I mean, five of those misses were from Watson. So about a third there. But I mean, when he's doing eight for thirteen inside, oh, you'll take. I'm, I'm telling you, feed Nate, feed Nate. And the only reason why he didn't get more in that game was because he fouled out in that one too. Alpha Diallo from inside the three-point line that day, five for eight, hit all four of his free throws. Extremely efficient from inside. Right, you know, Alpha's game, he's expanded his game to the three-point line a bit. But his true natural game is from the free-throw line in. You, get, you post him up on smaller players. You have him face up on bigger players and make that, make that defender decide, okay, do I want him to take this mid-range shot, which he hits constantly, or do I want him to just get an easy layup because I'm going to have to step up and he's going to blow my name. That's Alpha's game. And, you know, he really hasn't been shooting the three as much as he, as much as he was early in the year. And last year. And, you know, I think that's another reason why he's really stepped up his game. Granted, you know, what was he, 5 for 5 in that when he had the 34-point game? Yeah, I mean, he was just – any anything he was shooting that, was going that in. day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that doesn't happen often for anybody. And, you know, he's not really a true shooter. No, I mean, especially not since that game, Alpha. I mean, hasn't put up anywhere near that performance. I mean, granted – Without him on that Saturday night against Seton Hall, you don't win that game. But right, but, you know, against ben Villanova, Pipkins. and against Villanova, he didn't attempt a three. No, he didn't. He didn't shoot one three. On Saturday. Didn't even attempt one. You know, he had two points. But I'll tell you what. All the guys stepped up. Pipkins really stepped up, and he's just been tremendous. You know, uh, Diallo overall has really really done so much better lately. He really has picked up his play. You know, early in the season, David Duke kind of carried them in their wins. And Duke's kind of struggled more of late scoring the ball. But, you know, that's going to come too eventually. Yeah, I mean, you got to expect these other guys to... He's only a sophomore. You know, yeah, get in their groove eventually. I mean, they're going to go through their little funks. But, I mean, when you're as deep as Providence, I mean, you, you got the other guys to pick pick you up there especially at the guard play so that's on Wednesday night against Xavier a 630 game at the dunk so Wednesday is a huge day for Providence if they win that game they clinch at least the four seed in the Big East and after that game so that game's at 630 Villanova Seton Hall starts at 830 so I'm sure Friar fans are going to be on top of that because if Villanova loses that one then that slots PC into the three seed now for saturday's game senior day which we'll be seeing five players departing from providence college it's going to be um 
definitely one of the... It's definitely going to be a bittersweet day for yeah, us. Yeah, especially as of recently. I mean, can you think of a... I mean, you had the Jalen, Kyron, Rodney class, but we're talking about five guys here that play, like, at least 15 minutes a game, average, like, over five points a game. Like, these are five significant players. Like, there's no clear cut who's going first to get right. their jersey. You know, I mean, Pipkins and White pretty much split games. Yeah. 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Pretty much. It's, um, it's going to be a Young, tough day. <laughs> same with Young splitting with Watson. I mean, Young's a senior. And then, I mean, Ebbett Holt. Is there really a, a story out there that's much better than that one? I know. It's, it's, it's an incredible group of guys. And that game against DePaul. So, PC won that game in Chicago. And staying on the theme of, you know, Pipkins and White are the seniors here. Pipkins, White, and Holt were the top three scorers for PC in that 66-65 to win back in early January at DePaul. Pipkin 16 points, White 16 points, Emmett 12. PC shot 10 for 25 from three that day, 10 for 14 from the free throw line. If you remember, that game came right down to the wire. It was free throws at the end, and they executed. Um, You would hope Saturday isn't as close as this game. I mean, you would think PC would be able to beat them by more than one at home, but What's crazy, mean, it is the Big East. It really is crazy in that PC in recent years has had some struggles with DePaul, but yeah, DePaul's constantly finished within the last... It feels like you know, they've they lose like one year against them. They do. That's how it feels. And I'm just praying to God right now that that one game is not know, the last game of the season. Yeah. Uh, last game of the regular season, anyway. Paul Reed, future... NBA draft pick, potentially even this upcoming year if he decides to go. Had 24-15 and 15 in that one. He went 10-15 for 15 from the field, so Providence is going to have to find an answer for that for sure. Yeah, you know, and Paul Reed is just a tremendous player, and he's just incredible. You know, the leaps he's taken from year to year over his time in college has just been so incredible, and you really can't say enough for him. You know, I mean, I'm looking at a mock draft right now, for this coming uh, for this coming draft, NBA Draft on Net has him going number twenty eight overall to the Toronto Raptors. You know he kind of brings everything to the table. In the half court, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He can shoot the three somewhat. He's a tremendous rebounder, tremendous defensive player. You know you really can't say enough about that young man. No, and I mean they're gonna have to find a way to contain him. Charlie Moore had eleven. Jalen Coleman Lands uh, had fifteen in that game. So only three guys were really a threat back in January for PC. Um, but PC, 66-65 to 65 win. Didn't get to that 70 points, which we have a little stat there, Matt. Yeah, you know, PC, they're 11-2 and two when they score 70 or more points. So it's essentially a lock when they score 70 or more. Yep, and... Well, Xavier's stats, you could make a case they're actually... Yeah, better. yeah. You know, Xavier's 14-3 and three when they score 70 or more. Yeah, and Friars are 15-0 this year when they hold opponents to under 41%. In that game against DePaul, they shot 40%, so that would uh, fall under that category. I mean, that's over half their games, holding right. opponents to 41% or less. I mean, that's... The, the problem for PC this year has been their, their ability to score. Yeah, they go through too many funks, too many, like, 5-for-20 funks, like, taking up, you know, 10, 12 minutes of the half, just scoring, what, 10 points. Like, it's it's tough, and in a lot of these games, you see them getting out to big leads, like, against Seton Hall, against Nova, but you know it's never safe. 
Right, exactly. But one thing that PC has going for them is Pipkins and White. They're, they've just been so tremendous lately. You know, Pipkins in particular, his last four games, he's averaging 20 points per game, shooting 42.3% from three, and 56.8% from the field. I mean, and that's incredible for a guard. I mean, this guy's not taking, you know, five-footers or layups. He's Not at all. He's putting it up there from way out. Yeah, exactly. So and to be honest it's especially you, impressive. Right, and he's doing it off the dribble. He's doing it off the catch. He's just doing his thing. And to be honest with you, I don't remember – well, I should say, I don't think that PC's had a guy like this since Bryce Cotton. And we were just looking up, actually, um, Fryer – the Friars in Friars' history, the most amount of games in a season – with at least three pointers made, uh, three three pointers made in a game, and he was up to twelve games already this year. Now Bryce Cotton holds the record with twenty, but if he were to get to fifteen this year, that would be second all time. You know, Providence. right? You know, uh, when you're talking about Pipkins in the same conversation as Cotton, that's really something considering how you know how many guards in between have been such solid to NBA players. Yeah. Think about it. You're talking about Chris Dunn, Kyron Cartwright, Vincent... Um, Council? Yeah, Vincent Council. You're talking about some guys that they've had over the past decade. You know, even before um, before Cotton, you had guys like Wamey Afajuku that could score the ball. And you had, you know, Sherrod, Col- uh, Sherrod Curry that could score the ball. And Gerard Coleman. And Pipkins is really... He's really stepped up recently and he's given them just what they need just frankly just what Friar fans thought they were getting when yeah. they first heard that he was going to be coming to PC I mean especially the games that he had played against us I mean yeah. last year that that comeback at home that was a crushing loss I think we were up like 20 on UMass but so that's that's this week's game so Xavier and DePaul Friars have a chance to set a school record with 12 conference wins. Let's see if they can do it. They got to knock off Xavier first. So right now, the Big East standing, Seton Hall's at 13-3. and three. One more win, and they are outright champions. Can't, can't even split it with Creighton. Creighton has a chance against them this week if Seton Hall drops both and they win both. But, you know. That's highly unlikely. Seton Hall does have to play Villanova and Creighton this week, though. So, I mean. It's possible, but it's highly unlikely, I'd say. But, you know, there's one thing for sure, and that's that PC is the hottest team in the Big East right now. Knock on wood, of course, but it, it's true. You know, they've won four straight. Seton Hall's won three straight. and Yeah, four straight's the longest streak in the conference right now. Right, and, you know, Seton Hall, we're talking about a top-10 team. Oh, yeah. I think they were eight in the new AP poll today. And, by the way, speaking of the AP poll, your Providence College Friars were in the receiving votes category with 17, so... For the first time this year. Yeah, so outside of the top 25, they were sixth in terms of teams that received votes. Um, Butler was number one, so they're technically 26th in the country. But, um, you know, PC is right there at 30, so if they sweep the week and, you know, other teams kind of have some hiccups, you could see at this time next week Providence as a top 25 team and... To be quite frank, I feel like that's where they should have been all year, despite, you know, November. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I mean, if you take away November, they're probably a top 15 team. Oh, easy. I mean, they've beaten how many ranked teams in a row? Five ranked teams in a row. They've proven that 
they belong up there with the best of them. And you look at these other teams' records, I mean, teams ranked in the top 20 have two, three less losses than Providence. It's like if they just took care of business out in that tournament out west early in the year, I mean, PC's a ranked team basically all season, which is why it's confusing to see the lack of respect that they have been getting recently from these expert bracketologists. But as Matt and I look at it now, I think the the most credible one we'll probably put the most stock in will be Joe Lunardi of ESPN. And right now he has Providence as a nine seed in the South playing against eight seed Louisiana State University. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've looked into it a bit and it looks like, statistically anyway, LSU is a high-scoring team, but they're not the greatest defensive team. And, you know, on the flip side of that, PC, statistically anyway, you know, obviously they picked up their scoring as of late, but they struggled to score the ball, but they're a very good defensive team. And then, you know, I think that's, I think it would be a tremendous matchup. Very fun to watch. Yeah, LSU is 20-9 and nine on the year. They're second in the SEC. The SEC is nowhere near the Big East, obviously, in terms of basketball talent. But looking at their schedule right now, I mean, I'm not impressed that much by LSU's resume, to be quite frank with you. They've played three games all year versus ranked opponents. They've lost all three against Kentucky, Auburn, and early in the year against Utah State. They beat URI in non-conference. Okay. I mean... They beat Tennessee. They beat Arkansas. They beat Florida, which PC had a very tough time with. Um, but, I mean, other than this, I mean... They only I mean, beat Texas by two points. PC wiped the floor with Texas. Exactly. I mean, I'm not... I'm just... I'm looking at this resume, and I just... I don't really know a whole lot about LSU, so I'm not going to sit here and act like I do, but... I'm not that impressed. I'm just really not, especially in the SEC where you're playing South Carolinas and Alabamas and A&Ms. Like, it's just their schedule is not much of a threat. (laughs) Right. You know, I mean, they lost to Vanderbilt, man. You can't be losing to Vanderbilt and still be considered a top-tier team, in my own opinion. Yeah, and they've lost five out of their last eight. I mean, I'll take LSU. I mean, in – terms of the second round, we would um, be matched up against Baylor there. I mean, unless uh, Radford came through with that 16 seed, but... That's highly unlikely. I mean, PC is on the up and up. They are one of the trending teams um, in terms of the March Madness bracket. They are totally off the bubble now, and like we said, if they got that dub Saturday, I mean, there's absolutely no way they don't make it. Um, Even if you lose to Xavier Wednesday and beat DePaul, I mean, you're in. You're in. ESPN is showing Providence the most respect out of any of the notable websites. Um, they're, they're off the bubble on CBS Sports and NBC Sports, but they're still 11 seed, 10 seed. And I don't know. I mean, if they win both games this week and win at least one in the Big East tournament, I mean, you got to assume that they would move up from the 9 seed maybe into a 7 potentially. Right, and you know, if they stay in the South, according to what Joe, Joe Lenardi's bracket is right now, and they were a 7 seed, they'd be playing against Northern Iowa, who would be a 10 seed, who I personally think that they could go in and do some damage against. And then the 2 seed Maryland there, that would be the Mitchell Twin revenge game. Of course it would be. 
By the way, I just want to say, once again, it was a pleasure to meet the Mitchells, what nice young men they are. Their mother seems like she's just a very loving mother for them, only wants the best for her children. And, you know, I, I really hope that regardless of what direction they go in the future, as a family, they have a lot of success. Hopefully that success is at PC. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to get that size here. Um, so in the Big East, Creighton, Villanova, they're tied at second at 11-5. PC at four, ten and 6 And then you got a three-way tie for fifth between Butler, Xavier, and Marquette at 8-8. Eight and eight. And then you got Georgetown, St. John's, and DePaul, who have all punched their tickets to be playing Wednesday night at Madison Square Garden to start off the Big East tournament. It would be honestly crazy to see a team like Marquette playing that first night, which yeah. is where they are right now as the seventh seed. And, it, you know, it's completely possible. But one thing for sure is that if they do, whoever has to play them first in that, that not would, the opening round, the following round, yeah. they're not going to have an easy matchup. No, I mean, it would either be DePaul or Cre- uh sorry, Seton Hall or Creighton, and I would be, <laughs> I mean, you're telling me I gotta, I'm the one or the two seed and I got to play Marquette in the first round? I mean, the depth in this conference this year is, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think ultimately Xavier is going to get that seven seed because I think PC will beat them on Wednesday, and that would make them fall to eight and nine, and then I'm not entirely sure who they're playing on Saturday to wrap up their season. Well, you know, Xavier, um, Xavier... They've been a very good team this year, and so is Marquette. But Xavier in particular, I think that you know their size definitely plays to their advantage. But with size, I think, comes... I'm not going to say they have bad three-point shooters, but they're not the same as some of the guys that Creighton has, that Villanova has, that Seton Hall has. Yeah, and, I would um, definitely want to see them in the first round. Instead right, of and I, you know, I think the same thing about Butler. You know, Butler has some shooters... But I'm not, you know, very good shooters. I'm not sure that they're on the same level as Seton Hall, Creighton, Villanova. And, you know, uh, Xavier and Butler, they're playing against each other. And that final game, so and that it final could come game, down to that. It really could. And, you know, if PC beat Xavier, it's going to put them in a tough position, and especially for their NCAA tournament hopes. Right, and, you know, that kind of gets you into thinking about, all right, who does Xavier play? Uh, I'm sorry, not Xavier. Butler play, aside from Xavier. They're playing at St. John's. So Butler could sweep the week and when end up 10-8. and eight. Or you could think of it this way. That's St. John's not going to be an easy matchup. Think about it. St. John's just be Creighton by 20. Yeah, they, they controlled that game. Well, so Providence, Xavier on Wednesday. Providence, DePaul on Saturday. Make sure you go there. You pack the dunk. And make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Friartown Pod. We're taping this on a Monday. Wednesday, we will name the winner for the tickets for the senior day against DePaul. So make sure you go there, you retweet our tweet, you screenshot a picture to us. Um, Instagram, tag two friends, DM us a picture of a screenshot of you subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And, you know, Try, try, to, try to go see Senior Day. Try to go see Alpha in his last game as a friar at home. I mean, it's, it'll Alpha, be a great experience. Emmett. Alpha, Emmett, Khalif, Malik. And Luan. Luan, you know, we just want to thank you guys for bringing us such a tremendous, 
you know, experience. Yeah, I mean, the season has definitely had its ups and downs, but I mean, I'm glad the downs came a lot earlier because this is a very exciting time in Friartown right now. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, go enter that contest for a chance to be at the dunk final home game of the year, final regular season game of the year. And I know we said last week that we had some potential guests lined up that's still in the process, but maybe for the next podcast that will be ready. Not quite sure yet, but we will make the announcements on our social media. So go and follow us on there. And for Nate Carrero and my partner, Matt Shaker. Thank you for listening. Let's go Friars. Friartown pod out, baby. See you guys.